Welcome to Conversations with H. I have an amazing person here with me, former BBC, ITV, news presenter, broadcast journalist, also former uh, TBN UK channel manager, former tier fund head of digital strategy, now a creative strategist, freelancer who consults brands and has her own podcast, which is called Words Become Things. The hardworking, the superb, Miss Janelle I'm good. I can't live up to, to what you just said, but now I'm doing good. But these are all Thank things you. that you've done. Yeah, I suppose it is. This is all. I had to read. I did the research. I was like, we've gone to the website. We've gone to the website. I mean, it is all things I've done. Yeah. So, so for those who don't know who you are or haven't seen you before, tell them a little bit about who Janelle Aldred is and what you actually do. Gosh, so who am I? Still trying to figure that one out, like most people. Um, but you know, I think I am at heart. I think I'm a very, I'm a multitask creative. Yeah. So I would say I'm a creative, but I'm not a creative in that sense. If I'm just floating around creative things, I'm, yeah. I'm also a creative who believes in discipline and who believes in adding things to their craft. Mm. I'm someone who, I like new things, I like change, I yeah. like transformative stuff. Um, I don't know, I'm someone who believes the world can be better than it is. Yeah. Um, and want to be a part of that in some way, shape, or form if I can. And um, what was the second question? Um, just who you and are. what I do. Yeah, and what you do. What do I do? So now what I do is I am actually um, I still a journalist, so I still read the news and I do that part-time. I'm a freelance for ITN at the moment. And as, alongside that, I do consulting. So I work with the brands and organisations and helping them to look at their brand story, their digital marketing, yeah. their content creation, content ideation and other things that I'm really interested in is kind of, I'm just interested in telling stories and I think essentially I'm a person, I love stories. Yeah. And so that is a common theme in all the work that I do, both journalism and the creative strategy stuff, it's all about stories. So in terms of stories, what's your funniest church story? Oh my gosh, my funniest church story. <laughs> How many, how much time do we have? I think, oh my gosh, what is my funniest church story? I think probably one with your granddad, actually, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, I think uh. we were at a funeral, um, and as we know, black funerals are their whole own situation. Yeah. Um, it's not so much a funeral. I don't, we should get our own term for it, because it's, yeah, not, it's, quite, not, it's, it's not, not quite, it's not quite that. a funeral. It's a kind of a celebration meets funeral, meets lots of jokes yeah, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was at one and there was a, they were releasing a dove at the graveside yeah. and um, your granddad was like and now they're going to release the pigeon <laughs> 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 and I'm sure this family has spent a lot of money on the dove but um, anyway the pigeon then wouldn't leave the cage oh man it was a bad situation um, so there was that one there's also the one where the funeral was running really late as per and there were so many, so many tributes. And yeah. he was calling someone for their tribute, calling uh. them, calling them, calling them. And then um, they didn't come. And he's like, they're not here. Thank God for that. Because it really, it was just running on so long. <laughs> and my final one is my dad, who is as bad as your granddad. And um, there was the adult choir was singing one Sunday. Yeah. And the song was going through the refrain, you know, several times for yep, effect. Just... And um, I think it was at a funeral as well also. And when they stopped, my dad came on after. He's like, oh gosh, they couldn't quite find the stop button. <laughs> <laughs> Love funerals. Love funerals. 
That's so what's your favourite scripture? Oh gosh, I think my favourite scripture is Psalm 27. Mm. Um, you know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? You know, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And it goes on just to say, you know, that you'll find me in, in the house of the Lord. And I think that's one of my favourite ones. So when you, when did you first become a Christian and why did you first become a Christian? Um, it's weird because I think growing up in church, I don't know if I could even pinpoint the point. Yeah, yeah. Because actually it's just the water that you swim in and it's the air that you breathe. And so I think my faith has always been just a part of my life. And there's been times and I would say I was definitely further and closer away from Jesus. But, um, I, you know, I, I think that it's just kind of been a lifelong journey, journey and relationship. Yeah. Mm. So when you were a little kid, what did you actually want to be? Did you have like aspirations or... Like, I want to be a firefighter, da, 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 da. I want to be a journalist. What was your aspiration? So the journalism thing came so much later, like in my 20s, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I was five, my mum said that I told her I wanted to be a lawyer so I could afford for someone to make my bed. <laughs> yeah, I was that child, precocious. Yeah, because obviously in my head, I somehow knew that lawyers made, made a lot of money <laughs> and that meant I could get a cleaner. And so, yeah. <laughs> So that, that was my very, it was nothing to do with vocation or calling, but just more to do with pure laziness. So yeah, that was my childhood dream. So as you're growing up in church, um, your father was a pastor, Bishop Joel, Dr. Bishop Joel. Um, so that means you're a pastor's kid. Oh yeah. <laughs> so did you ever want to kind of like go into that similar ministry or were you kind of like shying away from never, it? Never. No, I've never been tempted. Um, to, to do what some people quote unquote full-time ministry whatever that means and I think there is so many problematic things with yeah. seeing that as that but um no never really wanted to be a minister or anything like that and yeah. still don't <laughs> still don't want to don't want to go into that world I, no not really no yeah I, you know I, and I think it is definitely a calling and a vocation and yeah I just don't feel called to it like that I I feel more called to um I think the world is a big place and mm. it needs so much light and actually I feel more called to that. On your website you say, when I was 18, I said I wanted a portfolio career. Yeah. But at that time, what did that mean to you? At that time, I think what I always knew, and it's funny, isn't it? Because I think when you're 18, you think you know everything and you really don't know anything. But somehow there is some, a deep knowing in you yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of something of who you are. and. It's funny because what I always knew is I get bored really easily. So I like to do lots of different things. So to oh, me, yeah. even then, the idea of going to one job five days a week is like death to me. And it actually still is. And I've tried it several times and yeah. I get really, really bored. So actually, it's funny now that I'm actually more in a space I'm actually doing now. Yeah. What at 18 I thought I wanted to do. But it, it takes a long time, I think, well, for me anyway, to mm. be brave enough to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you then decided to pursue a career as you're doing now in terms of broadcast journalism. What do you, or what do you see as your ideal job? What did you say as your ideal job at 18? And what do you see as your ideal job now? Well, at 18, I wasn't really doing much with myself and I didn't really study until I was like 21, 22. That's yeah. when I actually studied journalism. So at, when I was 18, I was actually working in a car insurance company doing chasing third party debts. <laughs> Can you imagine me? Diary everything on the 14 days. I'll email them in 14 days. Well, write them a letter because yeah. then it was not really emails. That's how old I am. But um, <laughs> I think then I didn't really have a clear idea of what I wanted to do. Yeah. 
And I think, um, you know, it was life and circumstance that then pushed me onto a different path. But when now my ideal job, I'm probably closer to it mm-hmm. now in terms of a mix of journalism and mix of doing the more creative, transformative brand story yeah. stuff. Um, probably going to do a bit more writing, okay. I think. Would love to do a bit more writing. Love documentaries. Writing in terms of what, though? When you say writing. Um, I, I, I think I've definitely got a book in me. There's a, there's a book? Definitely. Oh, and, no. you know, I think I would love to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm exploring a few things at the moment, exploring a few subjects in my mind and yeah. having lots of conversations about them to try and see what, what kind what? of comes to the surface. But I think, um, yeah, that's something that I would definitely love to do. Because I think if you were to write a book in terms of, like, what I've seen as your journey, I would read it. Oh, thank you. See, I've got one, I've got one customer. Get so me got, a book you got deal. One, you got one customer. <laughs> get me a book deal. Who buy an Amazon Prime, make sure I get it next day. But in, in essence, what I'm trying to say is, from the UK, when we, from a journalist point of view, and we'll, we'll go back into what questions we, you've been a light that I've seen from beginning to end. Oh, thank you. So obviously when we, especially like, in Birmingham, in the West Midlands. Janelle's on the TV! <laughs> Janelle is on the TV! Six o'clock, she's like, record it, she's on the TV! So we've always had that because it's like, when we see your face, it's like we feel like we're at home. Yeah. To a certain degree. So you might be giving us some terrible news. <laughs> Normally, but I smile when I say it. <laughs> but it's because you're there and just like... We know her. That's Janelle. So I think there's a, definitely a, a massive story that will be read by loads of people. Just because we've just we've seen the result a lot of the time. I think you know, church is a big part of me being able to do what I do, and I think you know, I think our generation, my generation, has a lot to say about church and the upbringing that we had in church. And there were many, many problematic things, but there are many, many good things mm. about church that I think we often don't think about so much, yeah. like the fact that you public speak from like a young child, you're forced into that kind of public speaking, being around lots of adults who've actually been able to carry conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. have conversation. These are like really soft skills that are missing a lot in our community because a lot of people didn't go to church. Yeah, and so true. they were never exposed to that side of having to do that. So when you grow up in church, rightly or wrongly, you get to be a good little actor. Normally <laughs> it's because um, you're probably doing things you're not supposed to be doing. But what that teaches you is how to put on a slightly different side of yourself in different spaces and it's yeah. not that you're a different person you're still you but you're actually able to go into a workplace and know you know what there's an acceptable way to be and there's a not acceptable way to be mm. and you're able to kind of maneuver through life so i think church has has given me a lot of soft skills that actually prepared me very well to do a job like this yeah so when you were kind of like growing up and moving into this broadcasting journalism studied it um did you how was the support from your family going into something which is away from what your father was doing at the time yeah. and essentially, you know, kind of away from what your mum had essentially mm. gone into? How, what was the support like? I mean, I think everyone was just very supportive and just very proud and pleased that I'd actually found something I wanted to do because I was like in my 20s <laughs> by the time I, I was doing it. So I think, you know, I was just glad I was just going to uni. Do something. Um, and so they were very supportive and also had a really supportive tutor. Okay. And actually she really believed in me and it's interesting because when I first I was not sure what I wanted to do and I tried a university course didn't like it I'd quit I was living in London my dad was like Janelle you either come back you either get a job and pay for your own flat in London yeah. or you, you come home so I came home and um, then 
he packed me off to the BBC to chat to someone and she was like, you should think about journalism. And I'd never thought, that's literally how I started doing it. Really? Went to the interview and the course leader, she was so stern, I was like, she hates me. Had to do a screen test, had to do a voice test and had to do a news test. Got back to her office, she's like, you're amazing, you're a star. She's like, you know, I think you're gonna do really well at this. I think, you know, you're gonna be on the telly. And I was like, huh? And she's like, who's here with you? It's like X Factor, my mum, bring your mum in, bring my mum in. <laughs> and then um, she, she said, you know, I think your daughter's going to be a star. Mum was like, don't, her head won't, like, get through the door. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I think, so that kind of started my journey. And, you know, it's just really interesting, the power of words. Um, she told me that, and I just believed her. Mm. And it's just really interesting that, you know, my parents just believed, you know, we all just believed it. So when it actually happened, it yeah. wasn't like this big, oh, my gosh. Because actually, she'd kind of planted that seed Seen in me it. that there was something great in me. And she always told me, you're going to make your money presenting telly. Like, that's what you're going to do. Mm. And, yeah, that just had a big impact on me. And, yeah, I just went for it. How important is it to have a, a good tutor? Oh, my goodness. I think... Oh, massively important. You know, she put me on the work experience at the BBC. I yeah. went there. They offered me a job after my work experience. So I had a job before I even left uni. You know, it was amazing to have a tutor that believed in me. But then also I know that people were like, had a different experience with her. And I think a lot of it is about personalities. And, and that's why I think you can't get too tied into the support that you get sometimes. It's great if you have it, but if you don't have it, you still need to find something and dig deep inside yourself because equally I've had editors who loved me yeah. and I've had editors who did not love me. And then at that stage, you have to make a decision for yourself about what you're about and what you want to do. Um, so yes, it is massively helpful when you have support, but ultimately much of life is about, okay, well, I want to get from A to B to C. Yeah. If someone helps me, great. But actually I think a lot of us give up a lot of things, a lot of our power and agency because we think we don't have any. Okay. And so you just have to realise people aren't going around handing out opportunities like sweets all the time. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. Mm. And it, actually, whether people are or not, what is it that you're trying to do? Where are you trying to go? And letting that be the important, you know, guiding factor. Mm. And not that nobody helped me, because there's many people with massive success stories, nobody helped them. Yeah. So how, as you progress through your career, how important or how did your faith in God play a part? Um, I think I'm someone who likes to pray about everything in that sense and like pray about the next steps to take. I think, I don't know, I think I see just my fate, it's like an, an innate inside voice almost yeah. or, or, a, or a guiding light. I, you know, I can't claim that it's, God has definitely opened doors, I feel that. I feel that I've had his favour. But then sometimes you're in a job you don't have any favour, like, so, you know, it, it, I think sometimes we look at it in this very binary way of like, you know, I just had great favour. Yeah, but then I got into that job and it was actually horrible or it was actually a mess. And But yet yeah, God is still with me in that. And I, so I think for me, it's just that sense of knowing that God is always with me, mm. like whether things are good or whether things are bad. And that just that sense of my faith being there through all of it. Mm. Um, because there's definitely been some hairy moments and there's been some amazing moments and some amazing relationships and connections and, you know, you, you thank God for all of it. Really. Exactly. So, was there ever a time, especially when you kind of started out, that you just felt like, okay, maybe this isn't for me? 
all the time <laughs> you know I think oh my gosh I used to cry all the time like because you know newsrooms are tough and editors mm. are tough and you get lots of feedback and I used to cry all the time in the beginning and I just think I just can't do it and you feel like you're not good enough but it's like anything it's like learning to drive like the first time you have a lesson you think you're driving yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not driving the instructor's driving and then he takes his foot off the clutch and you realize you can't yeah, drive yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's that moment of I can't drive you know and I think sometimes it's like that with journalism because you do the theory so much right, yeah. and you do your practice news days and it is nothing like doing it real life and it's nothing like the adrenaline when you know you're live on telly it's very different from just broadcasting to your uni classmates it's, you know it's, it's not the same thing but it's good preparation yeah, yeah, yeah. that enables you to do it and so I think there was loads of times when I have always been sure when this is not for me. And you know what? Sometimes things have not been for me. Mm. And so I've left, you know, and it's just kind of like understanding yourself and always trying to get to know yourself better. What's your purpose as it shifts and changes? Yeah. You know, I used to want to read the news at 10. I don't want to do that now. Mm. Um, and just going with that flow and not, not having that sense of ego of I wanted that dream, so I must get it. But actually being able to pivot and saying, I did want that dream. But now I'm not in that, in that space But that's no changed yeah, and, yeah. and it's okay. So the first time you were told Janelle, um, you're doing the weather, presenting the news on the, on the terrestrial television. How'd that feel? Because um, it was one of my editors was like, there's a job going, you should go for it. The weather job, I was like, weather? I was like, I've studied all my journalism. I've got my master's. I don't want to do the weather. Um, and he no, was that's like, beneath me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, well, it's a staff job and it's a good opportunity for, to stay in the BBC. And so I did it. And actually doing the weather is not that easy. <laughs> it's definitely not as easy as it looks. Mm. Um, but I think the very first time I was on air, it was nerve wracking. But actually we pre-recorded my very first one. Okay. And my sister was like, I could do in the headlights. <laughs> she was like, I could see in your eyes. <laughs> you <look> terrified. <laughs> Even though it was pre-recorded, I was terrified. But I think the first time you go live, of course you're nervous. But... I still get nervous sometimes before I go live. I don't think that ever goes away, but it's because I care and I want to get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me in that sense, the nerves are different. But the reason why I feel like, because people are like, I'd be so nervous. I am nervous, but I know I can do it. And I think that's a it's difference. A it's a, everyone, well, you do it. You know, you're doing something and sometimes you feel nervous, but it's not stopping you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still going to do it. Different from something that's so nerve-wracking that you're that like, I, can't I actually it. can't do it. So I think in that sense, yeah, I've always just enjoyed the challenge. Okay, so then you move from TV, and then yeah. you start to work for Tier Fund, and then TV and UK in amazing roles. How different? Night and day, absolutely night and day. I think um, one thing I've learned about myself is that newsrooms suit me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> newsrooms suit me. So was it a case of? similar to what you're saying like with the nine to five or did you still have that kind of flexibility to I think it's just you know just such different environments okay and I think working in Christian space is so different to working anywhere else working in newsroom is also a very very different environment for many offices the, the pressure that you have in a newsroom of deadlines all day yeah. is not really replicated in many other places um and the pressure that you've got a whole program to make for on air, live, telly, um, that's just not really replicated in, in many, many spaces. So it, there's a unique set of people that work together mm. and a unique set way of working. Um, and I've found other organizations don't really have that. Um, and for me, I, I found it quite tough actually and very, very challenging. Yeah. Did you feel like you achieved everything you set out to in those roles though? 
At TBN, definitely, yes. Okay. I think at TFN, it was a bigger thing. Digital strategy is so big. Like, that is a living and breathing Massive. thing. Like, it will never be done, in a sense, because you'll always be thinking about the future. But I think at TBN, definitely, I ticked everything that's on my list, I ticked it off. Okay. So, what do you think was your favourite moment, TBN and Tearfund, and then what's your favourite moment, broadcasting journalism? So I think at Tearfund, my favourite moment was doing a 360 VR film in Malawi. Mm. That was amazing. And, you know, um, having the idea, coming up with a concept, going out to shoot it, yeah, yeah. you know, seeing people watching it and feel emotional was amazing. Um, and then I think at TBN, probably the acoustic sessions, you know, up on the roof one day, looking at this amazing sunset, seeing people like, we should do a show up here. And actually, you know, concepting that. So I enjoy the, the conception of ideas and like seeing it happen yeah. and seeing it be all it can be, like coming alive. Um, I think in broadcasting, gosh, I've had so many good moments. You know, I, I love interviewing people. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of broad, in, you know, I interviewed Selene Henry, that was an amazing interview. I really enjoyed speaking with him. Interviewed One Direction when they were together. Um, and, you know, I don't know, there's just been so many highlights. I think the thing that I love about newsrooms is um, just the absolute sense of unity, like real unity to get mm. a job done. Mm. So, like the other day, I was doing this package about Liverpool FC, actually, funnily yeah, enough. Um, and, um, <laughs> Just the fact that I was running late and they'd given it to me late and, you know, and the show's already started, yeah, it's on the show of... in like 10 minutes and we all need to like finish editing. But that everyone just pitches in. No one doesn't pitch in. No one says, oh, that's not my bit or oh, I don't really like that person. Yeah. You know, when the crunch time comes, everyone like puts their shoulder to the wheel and it's such a unique thing and actually something that I haven't ever really experienced anywhere else. Because one of the things that we see as a consumer watching, seeing you, a lot of times we don't take into consideration that there's so many other people behind the scenes. So many. <laughs> we just see the names across the bottom when it finishes, but no one reads the names because no it, it goes so fast. No. And you're just like, okay. But explain to us how important it, has, important it is to have that kind of team to be working together and on one accord. You know, the presenter is like, it's really weird because it's kind of like... Um, we all, I normally describe it as cogs in the wheel, which is probably not the best <laughs> best definition. But it is cogs in the wheel, but at every stage of that journey, yeah. the current cog that's turning is the most important cog. So when it's on air, the presenter is the most important cog, but through the day, no. Mm. The presenter is not the most important. It's the reporter going out to get the pictures. It's the editor deciding, okay, this is what stories we're going to do today. Mm. This is how we're going to approach it. You know, the person doing it the actual editing of the piece and the pictures and the sat like throughout the day everyone has like a different role to play yeah, yeah. um and so it's kind of it is a real team effort because mm-hmm. if you just had the presenter nothing would get done if you just have the reporter nothing gets explained you know <laughs> and so i think in that sense it's just it's just team like it's a teamwork like i don't know i can't even describe Close. it but it's just yeah it's the best teamwork you can have have. I think so what would you say is the most challenging part that you've had in your career the most challenging thing that's happened in your career so far I just think facing yourself Mm. I think is a challenging the things that are good and the things that are not Um, you know feedback and criticism comes with every job and I think some spaces are tougher to work in than others Mm. and I think as a black female navigating my way through this world there are some workplaces that are easier to work in than others and you know if anyone is in doubt that racism is not alive and well in this country I can tell you it absolutely is and it manifests itself in many ways most of them you know not overt but covert and 
some people, I don't think they even know they're racist, <laughs> in all honesty. <laughs> but, you know, it's the thing about that is it's very leaky and I think there's definitely been some places of pain around that massively. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably been one of the worst things about my career. The thing about it is you don't know what it is to be anybody else. So I can't tell you that my career would have been better if I was a white woman yeah, or if yeah, I was yeah. a white man. I can't say that for sure. And, you know, I can't say for sure that people would treat me differently if I was exactly the same because you don't actually know. I think that's a thing about um, being a person of colour. Um, you can feel the difference, mm-hmm. but you can never be totally sure. sure. And it's like someone said to me once at a talk, you know, how do you call out racism? So it's really hard to prove someone's racist. Mm. Um, what you can call out is unfair behaviour and being treated differently from others. And I don't know, maybe it's because I'm black or a woman. Could be both. Um, and so I think that's definitely been one of the challenging, most challenging parts of my career, definitely. So would you say there's a bit more extra pressure on yourself because you are black and because you are female in these types of spaces? Definitely. Definitely, you know, and I... I no, because I think as people of colour, as black people, as a black woman, you find yourself policing yourself more mm. than other people have to. Mm. I know if I have an argument, I'm going to be an aggressive black woman. Yeah. If I raise my voice in any way, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to be a bully. I'm going to be something else. When I know that I'm talking the same way as that, that person that's... talks and it's okay for them, but it's not okay for me. And I think when you are other, it's it can be tricky. And I think, you know... Probably the reason why I enjoy working in newsrooms more is because the question of diversity is on the table. I think the church has a long way to go Mm. in terms of this being an actual real living, breathing conversation that racism doesn't just exist out there in other people. Mm. It's not just those people out there that have unconscious bias, it's here too. And until that conversation is on the table, the church will remain the way it is, which is rather segregated. So what would you, how does, this might not be a question, for you to answer like directly, well, I'm gonna ask it anyway. How do you feel the church, or what's one thing the church needs to do to dispel that feeling or where we're at at the moment? I think everyone just needs to recognize that we all carry bias. So when we talk about unconscious, we're not talking about other people, you're talking about you, I'm talking about me. Mm. I'm talking about the fact that all the science says, and I can probably prove it to you with, you know, with anecdotes, even from myself, if a black person tells me, I'm more likely to believe it mm. because they're like me. I'm more likely to take it seriously. So then the science also says, if you're a white person, you're more likely to believe a white person. Mm. And so we have to accept that we start from the space of not being fair and things not being equal mm. and that the systems and the structures do not support other. Do they support staying the same? And, you know, for people to actually take a long, hard look at themselves and what systems are you perpetrating Mm. and where do you speak up for justice and where do you not just think it's terrible and some of the people that you think it's terrible but what have you done Mm. um you know and i think if most churches have a real hard think well we try to like you know get more diversity integrate no one would come (laughs) you know really uh, you know i I struggle a lot with that Mm. i struggle with it massively 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 um Having a black person in an institution doesn't make it not racist. Mm. Even as a senior leader, doesn't make it not racist. What makes it not racist is not racist people. <laughs> so, you know, we, we think that, you, and I think it's, and I, so I, I, th- I find it highly frustrating. I feel like in my own head, I'm sounding like my dad. But, um, 
you know, it's like I always say to people, you don't sit in traffic, you are traffic. Mm. You're holding up someone else. So when we're like, I'm sitting in all this traffic, well, you're a car, you're in a car, you stopped. <laughs> are the people behind you? Mm. They're annoyed at you, you know? But we always think it's the others. It's the other cars in front of me. Mm. Um, but you're in front of someone else. And so everybody, and that's black and white people, because also, you know, I also recognise that for some people, they're on a journey and they're on step literally like minus 10. Mm. And we're at 100 because we live in a black body. So there also has to be lots of grace on the journey. Mm. But at least show me that you're journeying. Then I can extend some grace, you know? Mm. So what would you say is the most challenging thing you've had to go through in your Christian life? And how did you overcome that? I think the most challenging thing is, for me, it's just the everydayness of just doing what you want to do. <laughs> in a weird way, I saw a thing that said once, spiritual warfare is like taking every thought captive. That is like tough enough. <laughs> um, I think in terms of, there's so much, like life is, life is long and it's tough. Mm. You know, I lost my daughter when I was 19. Mm. That was tough. That took me masses and masses of time to mm. like come to terms with it, to even deal with it, to even acknowledge it as what it was. Um, you know, I think it's just tough because life is coming at you and it's coming at you fast all the time. It doesn't stop. And regardless of whatever happens, you have to keep going. Mm. And I think that is a challenge as a Christian is um, how do we maintain the ways of Jesus whilst life is coming at you fast? And I, and I think some, somehow we haven't really quite even worked out our theology on the nuance of life and how tricky it actually is. When do you take time out? When do you keep going? When do you think a door's a closed door? When do you think it's a door you need to push? Yeah. All of these things are the challenge of, of what would Jesus do? Because ultimately, a lot of things are happening. You don't actually know. Like It's, it's not a clear-cut situation. Should I stay at this church? Should I leave this church? Yeah, yeah. Okay, people aren't perfect here, but they're only human. So am I. Like, when do I stop saying, oh, well, you know, if you see a not-perfect church, join it and try and make it better. And when do we say, actually, this is like a toxic situation yeah, 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 yeah. and one needs to extract themselves, <laughs> you know? So I think that that's the toughest challenge in faith is that I think in the church, unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of honesty mm. about the fact that so many of these things are really tricky, really nuanced. Um, and so instead, we just choose to just not engage with it and just back away, which makes it a disingenuous, is that even the right word? Mm. It's just disingenuous place. Yeah. Where actually people can't, no one's being honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the leaders, not the people suffering. And it's no longer safe. Well, then it's not, yeah. Because with no honesty, people are like, well, you know, you've got to be nice. Okay, well, nice is not a thing. Like, first of all, there's such a thing as a nice person. Mm. Because all people are complex and hold within them every nasty and, <laughs> and nice thing within them. And it's what they choose to be. Mm. But equally, I prefer that we be honest then just think about niceness because actually if you're trying to be nice to someone sometimes you can't be honest yeah nah I definitely agree with that so what advice would you give to the younger Janelle that's what advice would you knowing having all the wisdom and all the things that you have now what advice would you give to younger Janelle maybe around 18 19 and obviously you've gone through what you've mm. gone through I would say be more patient mm. <laughs> But then I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to be more patient because sometimes I think you, you have to be willing to go fast sometimes to, to, to get change. But I would say generally probably just be more patient. Give things more time. Mm -hmm. I would probably say to myself, be braver sooner. Mm. And I think, yeah, be braver sooner. 
And also, just don't take an opportunity because it's offered to you. I think sometimes in your heart you know you want to do this, but someone offers you this, and it's low-hanging fruit because it's offered, and this is a bit more of like a, a climb and a scurry. Mm. And so you look at the low-hanging fruit, you're like, I could do it, I can do that. Yeah. And then you tell yourself all the reasons why. Mm. You talk it out with a few people, you convince yourself, even though in your heart you kind of know, like, I'm not mm. really sure, but <laughs> you're like, I'm not really sure, but I can see this, this, this advantage. And if I do this for two years, then... <laughs> if you have to convince yourself of something like that, it's probably best you just don't do it. Yeah. And it's not that you won't learn something if you do, because mm. I've done things like that and I've still gained like really valuable experiences yeah. on my CV, but actually what it took from me was not worth it. Mm. And, you know, sometimes as my mum says, just because something's free doesn't mean it's not expensive. Mm. So it's what is the cost and I would probably say to myself count the cost like count the cost how do you feel you've developed on your journey as a Christian from start to now I'm probably a lot less into church okay <laughs> a lot less into church I think how I've developed is I want to think for myself mm. And I don't want to just believe things that people tell me because they're on the stage. Mm. Because they too, like me, are human. And they too, like me, are fallible. And it's not that they might not know more than me or might not have studied more than me. Yeah. But one, I hear some terrible theology, which people take hook, line and sinker. And mm. I don't want that to be me. And I think definitely my dad's influence is like, <laughs> don't be groupthink. Don't leave your brain at the door. And I don't want to leave my brain at the door. I want to be part of a community where we're encouraged to think and to reason and to test out the things that we're hearing and, mm. and see if they're true. I think I have a, a lot more faith in God because life is long mm. um, and learn just not to judge everything by the moment that I'm in, no matter how all-consuming it feels at the moment. Because sometimes... That's can, quite hard, that is. It's massive. Because sometimes you can feel so consumed by something. You can feel so down. You can feel like so down, you can feel like you're the worst person, mm. you can feel like you're getting everything wrong, you can feel like things are never gonna change. You know, these are things that I think every human being can fall into. Um, but the very thing you've forgotten is that there's a God that cares and, and, and that will take you through that. But in those moments, it's like, how do you trust a God you can't see when you feel like, mm. actually, I don't know if I trust you because this mm. is so bad. I don't know if I do yeah, trust yeah, you yeah. actually because why am I here? I think it's um, just that sense. I, I love that song by Torrin Wells, like Hills and Valleys. Um, you know, wherever you are, just been able to say, I'm either thanking you or I'm lifting my eyes to you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Wherever I am and everything in between. And I think it's just more of a trust and a faith. Um, and just... I don't know, it's tough because people say, oh, we're nothing without Jesus. But then Jesus did give me things. Jesus did give me skills and abilities. <laughs> it's kind of like, am I nothing? Um, I think, so I think as I keep going through, I'm working out all those things, even mm. in my own mind of how do I view that? Because mm. obviously God views me as something. So why do I have to reduce myself to nothing then? Because mm. God's not looking at me like that. So if he's not looking at me like that, why am I looking at myself like that? Um, so I think it's just... It's interesting and I think those are things I want to explore about my faith and I think church and Christianity is great but I think it also gives people lots of hang-ups mm. and actually makes people feel quite bad about themselves all the time and unable to move forward in their lives because of this God that seems so angry or is looking at them like they're nothing. Mm. Um, so yeah, those are, I don't know. I don't those, know if that answers your question those, but these are, those, those these are, are things I think about. <laughs> these are things that I often, yeah, think about. 
So what encouragement would you give to someone who is on a similar journey, thinking a similar thing? What encouragement would you give to them to kind of like do it for yourself, like find out for yourself what encouragement would you give to them? I'd probably say, no, I'm not going to give them that bit of encouragement. I would say, <laughs> um, try to deepen your relationship with God and try to mm. understand more about who God is. Mm. Because I think in that you can find so much. And I think the thing is, a lot of us, we don't know who God is for us. So we go to church, we clap our hands, we feel this feeling. We go home, we don't feel that feeling. We put the music on. Granddad's God or yeah, dad's God. Yeah, we put the music or, yeah. on, we feel the feeling again. But God really isn't a feeling. So if that's the kind of faith you're exploring, mm. I would, <laughs> I'm going to question if it's a faith in God or if it's, a, it's an emotional experience that yeah. you're having every Sunday. Mm. Um, but it's about prayer and thinking, okay, do I believe God speaks to me? Do I believe he still speaks? Do I believe that he's interested in the things of my life? But it's just, I don't know, it's so tricky. But I would just say deepen your relationship with God would probably be my, would yeah, be my advice. So what's your plans for 2020? Ooh, well, building, <laughs> building my consulting business is definitely, you know, a major focus, reorienting my career, um, making more space for other things, mm-hmm. not just work. I've definitely been a workaholic. I'm a recovering workaholic. Um, so definitely making more space for other things, um, more writing, trying to do things like go to more academic lectures, mm. like understand more about issues and think more deeply about issues and, and also just a further sense of knowing what is my part to play in this world being a better place. That's, trust me. Last question, what encouragement would you give to yourself with where you're at in life now? Just take, just go after it. Everything you need, God's already given you. Mm. Everything you need, just keep going. Janelle, thank you very much. Thank you. That's so appreciative. This has been Conversations with H with Miss Janelle Aldred. Thank you guys. Nobody but you